Synthaholics, thank you so much for downloading this episode. Today you have myself, Aaron O'Brien, and Dave Duncan. Dave, how are you doing? I am alive. I haven't popped from the turkey yet. <laughs> yes, today we are recording on Thanksgiving Day. We work hard for you. We do. Very hard, uh, especially with all the food we just ate. I can't believe we're actually talking. Uh, Dave, we are on Star Trek Discovery uh, the episode Unification Part 3, and this is Season 3 of Discovery, Episode 7, and it aired November 26, 2020. They haven't uh, heard Dave. that yet. They haven't even done um, Only Hope Part 2. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that was for. Uh, Dave, what do you, uh, what do you, non-spoilers real quick, quick takeaways. Anything um, about this episode? I don't, uh, I don't know how to talk about this episode without spoilers because uh, one of the things I'm most proud of is definitely a spoiler, I think. It shows inching towards the thing we've been complaining about, ensemble cast. This episode Mm. was definitely Michael-heavy, but it was also kind of like a bottle episode. They were basically just on the ship the entire time. So, I mean, we had the opportunity to see our other characters slightly more often than we have been. So that was nice. I will uh-huh. give that uh, uh, thought. I, anything? I, I, it's hard to say anything else without going into uh, specifics. Uh, how about you? Actually, so this episode, uh, heavily heavy Michael uh, Burnham episode, but I actually liked it for a lot of reasons. I was saying before we re- started recording, I think this kind of vindicated some of the thoughts I had and feelings I had about Michael Burnham that I talked about in our last podcast, how she believes in the Federation but she doesn't feel like she's connected and she has a hard time like um, connecting with her, her, you know, her discovery crewmates and, and, and utilizing them and relying on them. She seems to circumvent them constantly. And, and she talks about this and it, it brings it all into like focus during this episode. And um, I think it gives a better picture of Michael's character than I think we've ever gotten before. Maybe it's more mapped out, finally for for me and um and i think yeah i think we get some resolution in this episode much needed at resolution this episode so i'm hoping the rest of the season going forward can be less drama-y i hope yeah i, I feel like there's, this- there's yeah i agree yeah i i like i like that we got like sort of things are getting kind of like tied up here and i hope i hope that it is tied up especially on uh, Michael's on Michael's side of things. You yeah, know. That, that, that's what I mean. I'm hoping we'll get a lot less Michael drama. I think this episode hopefully is wrapped up her melancholy for this season, and they can go forward and do Star Trek stuff, and it feel yeah. like Star Trek. I'm hoping this is what we're going to get going forward. Yeah, uh, but there's to me a lot of uh, interesting nuance of revelations that go on during this uh, th- uh, this episode that. 
that answers some questions and also kind of maps out some new ideas, which I'm I'm excited to talk about. So uh, let's get into full spoilers, Dave. Let's do it. All right. Well, we find out that they coordinate all the stuff with with the burned uh, with the black box that they use. So Tilly triangulates with uh, some other data that was they had, and apparently this kind of like confirms Michael Burnham's theory that the burn didn't happen all at once. It happens. It is it originated from a different spot. To a human being, it happened all at once. I don't care about a trillionth of a microsecond. I mean, like, how can you even measure something that small? How does that even make any difference? Well, well, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's interesting, though. So, and then uh, uh, Tilly say that they can triangulate, but the space is just too big. It would take, you know, multiple lifetimes to go over the the area space to, to, to find... This in, two, area. in two-dimensional space, you can triangulate. In three-dimensional space, you need more than three points of data. Yeah. So they bring this thing to Admiral Vance, this information, and Admiral Vance is like, yeah, let's uh, let's look more into it, uh, but we need to get some information from the Vulcans. The Vulcans have this uh, program that they... Looks they like it's were the using- Delta Quadrant slingshot technology. Yeah, is that what it was? It's what it looked like. the The same thing that was in the Borg in the Queen's chamber that just like shoots you, you know, wherever. It's like that the warp slingshot, right? Right. The thing that they Tuvok tried to like take and then it failed or whatever. And and Voyager. Uh, yeah, I mean they they were looking for this thing that that they're tr- well they're trying. I guess dilithium was on in short supply. I, I, I still I still don't understand the way they're using the lithium in the show. The lithium isn't fuel. Like they're no, but they're, they're talking about it like it's fuel. They're, it's 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 not though. I mean, do they have that many ships, or they just this isn't enough to lithium? Well, I'm assuming if they can't get the lithium, they can't go any further. So yeah, but I mean, they're treating it like it's fuel. Like 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 you when you fly around the ship, you expend it. Yeah, it's like they treat it like gas, and like it's it's not gas. It doesn't you don't expend it by going to warp. It's it focuses right. the reaction well, th- of the warp thing. This is a this is a uh, experimental project called SB nineteen, and uh, the Vulcans were trying to find a different way to use instead of using a warp drive that they could you know travel thousands of light years in an instant. And something went wrong with that. And the Vulcans at this time, which kind of ties into Picard now, uh, have uh, made friends with the Romulans and have been reunified. And, and the so we get this. It's called Navarre now. Yeah. And, you know, I was kind of like. I was. I felt a little, like, weird about it at first, but, you know, I, I was always I like. I always. As much. I love Vulcans. I love Vulcan. Uh, but I always felt weird that Roddenberry or whoever came with the idea named Vulcan after the Roman god and Romulus after you know the Roman you know you know hero uh, or whatever founder of Rome. Yeah. You know, uh, I always thought that was weird that he did that. You know, it's like why would you just come up with something different? You know, but anywho, Navarre doesn't bother me so much, and it's kind of cool. They rename the planet, and they're all living together on one planet, so it's like a huge development, and we get to see uh, Spock from the original um, Unification 1 and 2 uh, from Next Gen, how they, uh, like a recording of him talking, and Michael looking at her brother, now an older man, 
and kind of talking about his mission in life to bring the the Romulans and the Vulcans back together again, reunify them. And uh, he was ultimately successful to a degree. Yeah. I mean, uh, they I said mean, it was hundreds of years after he died, but yes, his efforts sure. brought him together. But he started, he started that movement, and that movement slowly went along. So, But the Vulcans, unfortunately, and I suppose the Romulans as well, felt uh, that they, they were the ones who started the burn from doing this SB-19. And they're very protective, very secretive about that, um, about that experiment, and they feel like um, it's politically charged on their planet, and they feel that their There's, federation was using them in their if, during that time, and they're they're kind of they're sour grapes basically. They're they're bitter towards the federation, and and they left the federation, which is unthinkable that the the federation would be without Vulcans. Yeah, considering they're a founding member, but apparently yeah. there was a bunch of issues between the federation and Vulcan, and this was the last straw. So, I mean, it's an interesting setup, although. Uh, when they get to Vulcan, they deny them the SB-13 intro because of what you said and because they're scared Starfleet will use it and try to revamp the program. But they could have just said, oh yeah, no, no, Starfleet doesn't care about using that. They're just going to just copy your spore drive technology. Like, why hasn't this come up yet? Like, it seems like they should just be adapting Discovery technology to their ships and forget about the lithium. Mm-hmm. And that would have, like, I'm sure that would have been a huge weight off of Vulcan's mind if they're scared SB-13 caused the burn, why not just like, oh, no, no, we're not going to use it for that. We just want to understand what the data is. We're using a different propulsion technology. We're going to make Discovery's propulsion technology standard throughout the fleet. I mean, that's would make the most sense. I mean, you would, it would make the most sense, yeah. You would dissuade their fear and, and probably make them a whole way more receptive. I guess you wouldn't have the episode if they would just handed it to them but <laughs> at the beginning, but still, it just was like, I've got questions. Why? Why aren't we pursuing? Why isn't Discovery? Be, and you know, the Admiral said they're trying to keep the Discovery's propulsion system a secret from most people. But then they tell the Vulcans, who are not even part of the Federation anymore. Yeah, and it sounds like they're even keeping know. it secret from other Starfleet people. Like it seems like it's hush hush still. I, I, I'm confused why this is. Yeah, they're a bit of a secret a secret weapon at the moment, which you know sooner or later people will all know. So yeah, so the admiral decides that yeah, send Discovery, tell him that Michael Burnham is uh, coming. Spock's Spock's sister is coming to back to Vulcan or Ninvar. She sees you when you're sleeping. She knows <laughs> when you're awake. Hurry, Michael Burnham's back. Look she, busy, people. She's coming to town. Just solve all our problems. Don't worry. Um, so, uh, so that, and then we get a couple other developments. We also find out that Saru asked Tilly to be her first officer. She's real timid about she's, it. She's an ensign. Why doesn't he promote her? Does he not have that know. ability? I'm, I'm I, so confused. Why would you make an ensign your number one? So second command in, in, in position, but still the bottom of the line in rank. Doesn't make a lot of Why sense. Why wouldn't Stamets? Why wouldn't... I mean, at least promote uh, her to lieutenant, so at least she's at least she at least outranks someone on the ship. Yeah, I... 
Yeah, I honestly, I I don't have a problem with Tilly being. I, I think she should be promoted. No, obviously, oh, I think she should be promoted too. I, I think Tilly's gonna be a great first officer. I mean, she's got guts, and she was trying to get the command of Pokemon anyway. And it's just kind of like, uh, you know, because Captain Killy from the Mirror Universe. I'm like, oh no, like this is working more <laughs> even more into my uh, Saru's gonna die this season thing, or like Saru's gonna die, and then since she's number one, she gets a field promotion directly from Ensign the Captain. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a bit of a jump. That's a bit of a jump in pay grade. I know, but I mean, um, Killy, you know, two years ago already was already a captain in the Mirror Universe. Our Tilly's lagging behind. She's got to catch up, and the best quit best way to catch up is field promotion. <laughs> I guess. Um, and and what does um, what's his name from uh, Discover? Yeah, Voyager feel about this. Um, Harry Kim? Yeah, Harry, Harry Kim. Kim. Yeah. Son of a bitch! I can't God damn it! This. Bullshit! Ensign is the second in command of the ship? What the fuck? What the fuck? Chainway. It's <laughs> um, amazing. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so... So that... So that is a developing thing. And like you said, he, she's unsure... She's um, she uh, Saru says I'll give you like a day to think about it. So uh, they travel to uh, to Vulcan or uh, Nivar, Nivar, sorry. And when they uh, dial up the president of Vulcan, uh, she basically denies their request for the uh, SB nineteen and says it's a topic that's very politically sensitive for the planet. And uh, Michael Burnham then says, I understand that. But I invoke the uh, Tikal Inket, which is a, I don't know what to call it. It's like a deep inquiry, but it's kind of just like a trial, like a court case. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's, a, it's a trial. It's not a birthday party this time. Uh, so well, yeah, once next. it's invoked, once it's invoked, it can't be denied. And um, they have to defend a hypothesis against uh, basically a quorum of people, three peers. <laughs> And uh, so interesting. I mean, we don't, we've never seen this before, but I mean, it seems in keeping with the um, Vulcan kind of tradition kind of way. I could see that being a Vulcan thing. Yeah. When you can't get your uh, your paper peer reviewed, <laughs> so you have to get it have to get it put in front of a bunch of uh, peers to them to look at it. Come on, peer review my M drive, please. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so she calls this, and so obviously the Vulcan president's like, okay, I guess we got to do it. So, and they have the delegates or the the quorum that uh, show up there on Discovery, so they don't even go down to uh, Navarre or Vulcan. So, and uh, from there we get uh, what are the three people that are there? There's the um, trying to find their names: Kivar, Tehran, and Shar. And they're um, basically one. Uh, she looks Vulcan. like Vulcan Karen. <laughs> there's a there's there's one there's one Vulcan uh, and then two Romulans and they're it looks like they're like one is heavily um, uh, influenced by Spock and by pure logic and uh, then the other ones are Romulans and they they all rule different providences I guess uh, on uh, Navarre yeah. So. But so she has to come and give her her arguments to to these people. So um, it's which is interesting. Oh, and then on top of it, she gets 
a, uh, a um, representative that's going to be uh, someone who's going to be your advocate. And this person is a uh, Quat Malat. A cool. Well, yeah. <laughs> Quat Malat. Quat Malat. <laughs> Quat Malat. Anyways. But, anyways, uh, that's it's her mother, it's uh, Gabriella. Oh, wait, no, it's not. Elnor, you're older <laughs> and blacker now. And uh, she is uh, her mom. She joined uh, a nun, a nunnery. <laughs> yeah. It's like, after you get to father, no one can replace him. <laughs> and not going to lie, it was kind of cool that she took up this for this story. It works It works for the story. I felt it was uh, way too convenient. It does work for the story. Like I, I love how her mother is about to kick her in the nuts over and over and over again. Which was kind yeah, of yeah, because they believe in absolute candor, candor, and uh, they are uh, champions of lost causes. So that's why she uh, and we see this in uh, the Picard series. This is where this was first introduced. So they're tying these threads together. It's a little like in-house, uh, like you know, story like connecting. But I, honestly, it didn't bother me. I was like, okay, you know, it is a little too convenient. I agree. Yeah, it, it kind of was like I rolled my eyes. I was like, really? <laughs> but I mean, honestly, it's like okay, you know, this works. And uh, when she sees her mom, obviously she's overjoyed because she she mentioned a couple episodes back to Saru that she she looked for her mom and she was she it was one of her things goals that she wanted to find her mom again. Yeah. Uh, in this time period, so when she uh, she finds her mom, then she uh, confides in her. A lot of the things that we were talking about last episode, our last podcast, is that, you know, she doesn't – their time away, the year away, uh, she got to rediscover herself away from Starfleet and the Federation. And now that she's back into it, she doesn't know if she fits in anymore. Yes. And, and her mother picks up on this instantaneously uh, with no little to no conversation. Yeah, right. Um, it's really interesting. Um, is her mom now psychic? Then, no, but you know, moms know usually. I even though, I mean, when's the last time she saw her daughter? I mean, when she was like twelve. I mean, I technically, know. like a couple, uh, I guess a year and a half ago, whenever she was yeah. But I meant, out. I meant the, the when they really got to. I mean, where she was always with her daughter. Oh yeah, like around. eleven or twelve, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Before she was uh, adopted uh, by Sarah. But so, yeah, very interesting. Uh, and then they uh, convene for their trial or not, whatever you want to call it, their um, big hearing. And this is where the, the people in Navarre don't feel like they can trust the Federation, that they're going to take this uh, uh, SB-19 information and they're going to just try to re- re- replicate and use it to their own advantage and Michael's like, that's not what we want. We just want to find out what's caused the burn. And then they start questioning her motives of why she wants to. Like, why do you want to do this? And then there's this huge, like, deep dive through her mom and her beliefs of absolute candor. Like, what is going on with Michael Burnham? And uh, it's, it's kind of a dressing down, to tell you the truth. I don't know if I would like that if I was in a public situation like that. Oh yeah, it's 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 kind of humiliating, and I think it's great because, uh, you know, <laughs> Michael Burnham needs many swift kicks to the balls, and her mother just never stops the entire episode. It's kind of great. 
Well, I think it was interesting, not because uh, the sadistic side of it. It's more of interesting that we finally understand what's going on with her. So, well, I mean, it's, it's 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 fleshing her out, and her, her mother's making her understand what she really does want by getting her to confess how she really feels about things uh, and what she believes, which is great, right? Yeah, and what I really enjoyed about it is that. So, first of all, she's like, you know, like. So you just told me, like, just, you know, whatever, 15 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago, that you're not even sure that you have a place in the Federation anymore, in, in Starfleet. Like, why are, you, why are you pursuing this? Like, what does it do for you? And she's like, I believe in the Federation. I believe in what it represents. Whether I fit in with it, it's a different story. Like, if I, you know, that's, that's, a, that's not what's at question here. I want to make the Federation back to what it used to be or some semblance of what it used to be that it could help other people. And that's what the Federation is supposed to do. It's supposed to be helping other planets, other civilizations, all build to a, a, a better place. And um, finding out what happened with the burn would be hugely important to find out why this happened. And, and and what what began that? And she doesn't believe that the burn originated at Vulcan. It, would, it originated in a different spot. And it, there were so there's they really grill her quite a bit. Yeah, it's pretty great. Although I, I am going to be a little bit annoyed if she gets the data and it clearly took place somewhere else. Like why did why are the Vulcans so bad at science? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like if. if the, it, it might think they thought they started, but maybe it's something I don't know. I mean, there's, there's. I mean, obviously we don't know yet, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just like, I'm just fretting for down the line. I'm just like, oh no, right. And so she, she has to confront these truths and uh, what she feels about Starfleet and the future of Starfleet, and uh, you know how, how she plays into it. And what does the burn have to do with her? Like, why does she feel like she has to do it? And earlier, she has a moment with her boyfriend, uh, Book, how she, uh, she uh, I don't know if it was Spock who was saying that she has a messianic uh, complex. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, like, it's it, that kind of plays into it. Pretty much how she acts. Yeah, so she's she's one of these people who feels that she's the only one that can save it, save people and help people, and that she does not lean on other people for any kind of help. She's just like, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it alone. And that's and and that and that's her in a nutshell. And mm-hmm. it kind of felt like at this point, I was like, thank you. These are the things I wanted to know about the character. Am I being crazy for feeling this way? Or is it exactly what it what it sounds like? You know, like is there more at play? So I felt good about finally getting those a concrete like, answer. Yeah, yeah, those so those things being connected finally. All those little like you know things were like, well, what about this? What? Why is she doing this? Why is it like this? So so uh, she ends up saying like uh, she, she she calls off um, the tell. Uh, to call uh, in in cat, and because she they, goes fine because they start arguing and they talk about dividing Vulcan, and she's like, I can't, have, yeah. I can't let my my brother's work go to waste, and so yeah. I I withdraw my request. I can't let you guys. I'll f- I'll, I'll find my this. own data. Fuck y'all. Yeah, kind of thing. I'll, I'll still I'll share it with you guys. 
Yeah. And uh, this is when the uh, later on we find out the president of uh, Vulcan gives her that SB19 data. She goes, just that alone proved <laughs> to me, proved her. You know what the, it looked like? It looked like the data thing that was given to Princess Leia at the end of Rogue One that she sticks in the R2-D2. <laughs> Just thicker. That'd be cool. If that's what it was. I mean, because it's like it's like, it's like the white, and then it's got like the gold circle in the middle. It reminded me of that. Uh, later on, uh, Tilly decides she asks um, she asks Damitz if how he'd feel about it, and he was kind of weird about it. And later, she shows up at engineering, and most of the bridge crew and some of the other uh, engineering crew are there, and they're just like, "You should just say yes. Just do it. Just do it. I yeah. want you to do it." So. And there's even a funny moment where Michael shows up late and he goes, did I miss the cool say, say yes moment? They go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, interesting. Uh, and so we're going to get Tilly as the uh, number one. That'll be interesting. I'm excited to see her in a bigger role. I'm hoping this means she'll have a bigger role in the show. I, I, I'm excited about that possibility. Yeah, and and from there we get um, a kind of a goodbye to her mom, and you know she's like you know now you know where I, you can always find me, so that was good. So she kind of got a thing, and and then also uh, books like so you're gonna stay now because she was thinking about leaving, and uh, she goes yeah, and he says what does that mean for you? And books like I don't know, maybe we'll just hang out in your shuttle bay for a little bit longer. I mean, hell, Neil so, left his ship in the shuttle bay for forever. <laughs> Six, seven a seasons. Ship in, there's yeah. a big ship in their shuttle bay, by the way. I don't think they can fit any other shuttles. There's like, could you pull your shuttle out, your ship out, while we, you know, bring in these other people? They, they just start towing uh, his book ship. All right. So, uh, and there we go. It's uh, pretty much, uh, pretty much it from there. Um, we're going to find out what's on the data and move on. You know, maybe we'll get closer to this burn thing. So, uh, Dave. Uh, Takeaways from Unification Part Three. Um, I, I think this is a definite step in the right direction. It was heavy on the Michael, but they found a way to like have other character moments that were really good. It, it felt a little bit more Star Trekky. I mean, this was definitely a Michael Burnham episode, but everyone had their stuff going on. We had the B plot with Tilly, and mm-hmm. you know, people going on with her. Uh, you know, she her trying to figure out if she wants to be that for, uh, number one, and you know it, it was nice. And it being a bottle episode, most I mean, I guess the Red Federation headquarters took like two minutes in the in the opening, but the rest of the time sure. they were just right. stuck on Discovery in a bottle episode. And I don't know, like I feel like bottle episodes sometimes really make them have to stretch and like do a, a better story. And I think they kind of did that here. I definitely think it's super convenient that her mother showed up and just happened to be on Vulcan and happened to be co-op a lot and happened to be her advocate. I mean, there's just, there's just so well, much. She picked, she, yeah, she picked. No, but, sure. but, I mean, but, but it was convenient. She was in that. She joined that religious sect. Yeah. It just, I mean, it, it's just so convenient. I like speaking my mind and I'm going to tell you what I think. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and then I also rolled my eyes at like you know like oh when as, when they're saying goodbye and she's like you know you know it's it's you know you're probably why Spock ended up being the way he did I'm like oh come on Spock had was needed Michael Burnham as a crutch early for every good mm-hmm. thing he ever did it just it it just kind of undermines Spock and you know I we posted a meme in the group this week and people were very upset that you know I said Michael does everything and it's just like. 
and people are like, no, Michael doesn't do everything. She doesn't solve everything. And I'm like, close enough. And her mom's saying mm-hmm. this. Uh, like, it's not only did Michael do everything right, Michael made Spock 100% who we like. Like, no, please. I mean, Spock had lots of things shaping him as a person. It wasn't just his sister making every, you know, every good thing Spock did was because of his sister. I mean, come on, please. Like, what'd you think about her watching Spock? I I, I got a little, like, it, it was kind of interesting because, like, if you think about it, if you saw your, like, brother or sisters, like, if you were to go to the future and all of a sudden you saw them old or older, it would yeah. be very, very emotional. Like, I, mean, I think I, I'd be like, how would you not be? I mean, Sonequa Martin-Green is a fantastic actress. She has so many calibers above the writing they do for her character. I agree. And her emotions and how, how she plays it with the the line. Even in season one, I complained about her lines. Her lines are rough and she does a, you know, she does a really good job conveying emotion and like just some of her emotions and her like almost half crying a couple times it got me i mean she is a powerful actress i just wish she had equally powerful dialogue to work with i just i just eye roll a lot of, of her dialogue because it's just really annoying but her face and her emotions and everything it sells it and she is so good uh despite the script you know, I, mm-hmm. I I did feel something. I did get a little like you know heartstring pull a little bit, uh, m- uh, more so than any anything else. It's just her, and I think it's mostly from her acting and how good she is and how you know believable she is as as an actor. Um, yeah, she's, she's it's not she's the script. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's definitely yeah, not the script. Good. It's it's her, and she's she's great and amazing. Uh, I, I, and they I try to make her. that like they try to make that three D rendition of, of of Nimoy with it. It just doesn't really work. <laughs> oh yeah, because all their all their things are three D, and they just it's it was like a two D plane like floating in the sky. <laughs> sky. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, they did the best they could with what they had, I guess. Because I mean, they cut out all the background, so it was just his face floating, which was kind of cool. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. it was it, it was fine. I mean, uh, you know. It was to proper effect, I think, and especially since they were naming this Unification Three. I mean, they, I mean, they just pulled some clips from Unification Part One and Two, which which was great. I mean, it it it, it fits. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, other than the just over convenience of the episode, uh, this was really solid. I think it was a really solid bottle-ish episode. Michael Burnham's drama is hopefully done. And hopefully we can move forward and the rest of the season feel more like a Star Trek series. Because that's just, mm-hmm. that's most of my complaint. It just it focuses so much on her, it takes away from the Star Trek feeling of it. And I know they sh- they pitch the show as she's the main character, but you can have a main character in a show and still give your other actors screen time and write stories for other actors. You know, I mean, it's not, like, it, it, it doesn't take away from her being the main character. I mean, yeah. te- I mean, technically, yeah. Jon Snow is probably the main character of Game of Thrones. Like, once you've, you know, <laughs> once all the plots figured out, but you wouldn't know that. I don't know halfway through the series, probably. You know what I mean? Right. I right, mean, right. it's, it's you get all these different characters, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just I don't know. It can be done better, I think, and and they're they're working their way to. I think they're finally this season getting a little bit more uh, ensemble-y. Not a lot, but a little bit. How about you, Aaron? Mm-hmm. I love this episode. Uh, I like the last episode, but this one, uh, 
You know, last episode, like... Yeah, this one wasn't dumb action. Yeah, the the last episode, I liked the action, uh, the the adventure to it. This one, I like just, like you said, it's um, the deep dive with uh, Burnham, but also, like, uh, uh, Vulcan, Romulan, like, how everything kind of, you know, worked out in the end, you know, thousands, you know, thousands of years later. And I... I find it really interesting. I, I like the idea of uh, Navarre. I like the idea that they're reunified and trying to work things out. And there's still strife, but they're working on it. So I really, really enjoy that. Um, I'd love to see what that planet looks like now and how they're is how they're working together. Is it still just Red Rocks? Just Red Rocks, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or or have they put some Roman forums in the middle of it somewhere? Um, Just like a big statue of titties, like a Nippleopolis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, but so I mean that I would like to see that. But I mean that was interesting, and I and I I liked that kind of the cultural thing they put on with the uh, to call in cat, and that was I thought was a cool idea, and and, and you know. Uh, I got to give Discovery and their writers credit when they've come up with a good idea. That's a cool vehicle to kind of like uh, give extra for the uh, Vulcan culture. Um, I again, like I said before, there was a lot of questions I had. I was I was getting really um, bewildered by uh, Burnham, her character, and and the writing they kept on throwing at her for the past you know, couple seasons. I mean, just was like, what's going on? It's just, it's like this, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we've all known a person like this, like this amazing person that very good at something or, or so fantastic in a lot of ways, but they have like some, some way they just always self sabotage themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll, they'll do something and they'll sink their own ship or they'll, you know, they'll, they'll make that mistake. That's like, that screws everything up. And up until then they were doing great. Or doing better than most. And it's like, why do you keep... And so it's like, there's some deep psychological reason you keep doing these things. And and this is what the thing with Michael. It's like, I think I'm kind of like connecting all those loose threads finally. I mean, first, obviously, Michael's parents, you know, uh, thought to be killed. So she was abandoned and had to be adopted. Orphan, should I say. And uh, had to be adopted. Uh, by Sarek. So she's a child of two worlds. Um, so she's, she's, she's got a foot in both worlds, but then she's never really part of either one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's gotta be weird, you know, no matter what, like you're never truly Vulcan. You're never truly human. You, you're never really knew your parents, you know, um, enough either, either side, your human parents, your biological parents, or, you know, your Vulcan parents, even your, you know, strenuous relationship with your brother Spock. So, I mean, all that feeds into then she joins Starfleet because that seems the most logical, practical place for her to be. And she's good at lots of, she's good at science. She's a, she's a woman of action. She's, she can, she can do a lot of things, but there's parts of her that just does not see people as, um, a way to use a way to go further her her goals she sees them as an impediment and she's going to go fix all the things that she thinks needs to be fixed 
um, with or without them, and usually it means without them. Because yeah. most people aren't going to run at her with her passion towards a pro- for something, and most people aren't going to run towards uh, the, the problem uh, with the um, uh, uh, this energy she's going to put towards it. So she just forgoes. She forgoes through last episode. I mean, and Tilly even said this episode. You know, you put me in a terrible position. I can't believe you keep doing this to us. Yeah. So, you know, uh, she's getting kind of like slapped around by her crew now it's like you got to knock this shit off but it makes sense to me finally and and like i said she has a conversation with book and she says i you know i don't know if she said spock said she had a messianic complex but i was like yeah okay it, it's all kind of like clicking all the puzzle pieces finally are clicking in place for michael Burnham for me i finally get in her figure out here's why it's unnerving for a guy like me and maybe like you dave is we grew up with Star Trek with guys like Kirk and Spock, with uh, Picard and, and Riker, um, Cisco. I mean, all uh, even Janeway. All these people are, yes, they have flaws, but these are well-rounded, and they have a clear notion of where they're, what they're doing, and they're and why they're doing it. Yeah, there's never a question. Like when Picard, you know, walks onto the bridge, he's there. To serve the Federation, to serve, uh, you know, to make sure the people on his ship are safe and whatever his mission is, is successful and does uh, within the Federation's tenets and beliefs. You know, same way with Janeway, same way with Kirk and Cisco. All these guys, same thing. Well, Cisco, a little shady sometimes, but that's kind of his, you know, shine, right? Oh, yeah. He'll do things, he'll do things his own way to get to uh, the ends justify the means for him. Pale Moonlight, I'm looking at you. But, you know, (laughs) but, I mean, the difference now with Burnham is we get uh, a character that's still being gestated. This character's not completely born yet. Like, she's not, I don't know if she is going to be captain, but she's not captain yet. And we're maybe... Maybe she never will, or maybe this is just a, a like through the kind of the lens of her character. But it finally makes sense to me why it's unnerving to me because we always got those characters in the past. I mean, hell, even like a character like uh, and uh, Harry Kim or um, uh, Jordy LaForge, a- any of those characters, they're not like the highest ranked character, but you know what they believe in. Yeah, for sure. She's not. She's not sure. She believes in uh, maybe the command structure, or or um, she believes in the idea of the Federation. That's it's different. Like I might believe that our military it does the best for Americans, but I know I would not fit well in the military world. You know, like that's not my calling. Oh yeah, same here. You know that kind of thing. You know, so like. So that that's where I'm like, maybe that's why I'm always like, what the hell's going on with the character? Now, that too being said, we've talked more and more about she throws herself into all these problems and she never has like an exit strategy where Kirk, Picard, Cisco, Janeway, they always seem to have some type of exit strategy. She just kind of throws herself into a problem and she says, you know, consequences be damned. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like, those are things that are like different from writing aspect for character aspect. And that's maybe why I've been for a long time, a little like put off by Michael 
Um, again, like, you know, I, we've, we were discussing offline is that, you know, I want to see more of, uh, the other characters. I want to see more Tilly and Saru and, uh, Stamets. I want to see more, Jemino. um, Jet, I, I want a whole episode. I, actually, I might even want a whole series with Jet Reno as stuff. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, like uh, Adira. You know, all the, all those characters are great characters. I'd love to see more of them. So let's get more of them in there. I mean, so yeah, I don't know. I'm that's where I'm kind of going towards. I am very. Um, I, I find a little more. Um, I find Michael a little more interesting now, but. Um, I still want to see more of those characters. Uh, I, I just, I just hope we finally. I hope with her accepting what. Yeah, the drama thing has got to. This drama thing has got to start like wrapping up. It's like I can't, I can't take much more like tearful like hugs uh, between uh, between big events. It's like it, it gets a little like okay, schlocky a little bit. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, all oh, Discovery's been very schlocky since its inception. Unfortunately, uh, I I hope they they stop with the schlock and get us into like feeling like Star Trek. I mean, we know we can do it. We know they can do it because of Lower Decks. Lower Decks was spot on. Yeah, it was a comedy, but it was smart, and it felt like Star Trek. I mean, brand new characters, and it it still felt like Star Trek to me and that's that's a huge thing and that's a lot of my problem with Discovery is that it just doesn't feel like Star Trek like how I remember Star Trek being. It doesn't feel like Nexion, doesn't feel like doesn't feel like anything that, that any Star Trek that's come before it. Whereas Lower Dax was familiar instantly. Right. Right. I mean right, right. I mean I mean Mariner was annoying and like such a cartoon character, but everything else around Mariner, it felt right. And yeah. I'm still waiting for Discovery to do that. I mean, episode two of the season, it felt like a Star Trek episode because they have a problem with the ship. They got to fix the problem with the ship, and they're trying to you know do what they can. And they had the saloon, and it was very Star Trekky feeling. This was a very Star Trekky feeling episode two because we had like the bottle episode. We had a trial. You know, we've had Drumhead. We've had Measure for Man. We've had Unification sure. Part Three. I mean, we've got these trialy episodes, and like you know, it was super refreshing to see Michael like give up. And be like, fine, I'm not going to cause further destruction. I'm going to... And, like, it's just... it just Michael finally became a real person, I think, a little bit. Because <laughs> before, right, right, right. before, she was like, everything be damned. I'm going to do, do, do this. And because it was her brother, I guess, she had more of a conscience about destroying his legacy. Yeah. So right, right. I'm glad she finally has a limit somewhere where she's not willing to destroy everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just you know, uh, she, she's been very unjust by the means, even more than Cisco has. You know, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. And, yeah, and she, yeah, she definitely has. Yeah, she she started feeling like a more a more real character this time, and that is great, refreshing, yeah, refreshing. refreshing. Um, definitely a step in the right direction this season. Let's hope they keep keep it going. I mean, that's. Last episode. I gotta say, Dave, this this season the writing is much better. It's getting it's more more it's it's more coherent. It it, it, I mean the overall is it's getting more coherent. Uh, I still think some of the interpersonal dialogue, especially between Michael and other people, is really cringy. 
um, at, oh, yeah. at, at, at times. Is there anything that, like, oh, the, the, the point to? The Spock thing that her mother said to her, just her... her... Yeah, but that's just a line you don't like. Yeah, it's... Cr- I mean, like, you know, but I mean, that's why it's cringy. I don't like it. I mean, things... <laughs> it make me, you know... When I cringe, it's not because I enjoy something, right? All oh, right, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you <laughs> so I mean, you know, just I don't know. Just I just feel like when Stamets and Tilly talked, that felt real. Like I, I mean, I felt like Stamets. Like, I mean, what really? You're not being promoted, but you're gonna be my sen- my senior somehow. I, I, I made like in my head. That's how I looked. Like, but Stamets was like blinking and like opening his eyes and closing his eyes. I'm like, what, really? Like, like I, I, I felt that with with Stamets. Like, their their context with the, their conversation with each other felt good. You know, Stamets right. and Jet Reno that feels real. Stamets and Culber that feels real. Like their you know interpersonal dialogues and when they're in bed or just and they're having a romantic moment, those all those feel more real. But like when Saru and Michael talk, it just gets melodrama-y. And mm-hmm. when Michael talks to anyone, it just gets melodrama-y. And that's not the characters. That's not Sonequa Martin-Green's fault. It's when they write for her, it's just not great. I, I feel like this is the same thing with all female leads like in Star Trek. Because, I mean, I feel like Janeway had some really bad writing thrown her away, personally. Yeah, I, I yeah feel like, Janeway in the beginning, especially. I feel like they just had a hard time writing a, a female character as a lead, and I feel like that's still an issue in Discovery because everyone else in the show, like I love the way um, uh, Philippa Giorgio has been written, and her scene with Cronenberg was amazing. Like I, I, all these things like click, and for whatever reason, like I feel like they're still having an issue writing for Michael, and that's why I complain about the writing because it doesn't feel. Like and it just it just feels off yeah, I, compared to everything else. The thing is, I always felt with like Janeway, and not as much with Michael, but slightly with Michael, is that I think I agree. I think the writers want to do the you know like for Janeway, a female captain, they want to give her the respect and the authority that she's supposed to have as a captain, and so they write her as a really stern, like you know, brass tacks kind of lady, you know. Mm-hmm. And that works, but it gets a little stiff, right? Yeah. That's the problem with Janeway in the beginning. With Michael, they're like, here's a character who's, you know, very brilliant, and yet she's she's haunted by things she's done in the past, and they just keep on leaning on those things. And, it, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting start, but now can we, like, move past it a little bit? You know, like, let's get let's get to something where it's like, Michael grows out of that, and like I said, after in in episode three, I think when we find out she's been like a whole year in this universe time frame without uh, Discovery or the Federation, she's happy. Yeah, right. So, and also Kira, like Kira was so one note character, and she didn't. It didn't didn't feel like she got any nuance until season five six and seven like she finally started getting a little bit more nuanced as the show went on but she was super one note for the first the majority i'm sure she had she had episodes where she was nuanced but for the most part in the first four or five seasons she was just a one note character it was really annoying and part of it and part of it of course is like the the actor has to get kind of acclimated to that role um 
and who figure out who that character is. And then the writers as well. They've got to kind of like, yeah, you know, and I feel like it's the same. It. I feel like it's the same thing with Michael. Like when it's a, and, and also Dax in DS9, like she, like she didn't have much of a character. Like when we started our spotting Dax series and then like we went through her first couple episodes and like, she's does almost nothing in a couple of the episodes that are her, that are basically about That's her. her centric. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just bizarre. Like, uh, in, and on top of that, I think that she, I mean, she could, the, the, the writers on here, there's got to be far more female writers in the writer room now than there were in the 1960s or even the 1980s, right? In the 90s, yeah. I mean, in the 90s, probably. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that we have more female representation in there. In there. So, like, that's where it kind of gets thrown. Like, why is she still kind of like, just like, you know, I, I'm sure you haven't watched it. But there was a series like back in the early 2000s called Allie McBeal. I'm familiar with Do it. Do you remember? I, I never ever watched it, but I, there was always previews like before or after Star Trek Next Generation or something. Yeah, like so like I, I would watch it once in a while. It wasn't my favorite, but it was like – and she was always like getting like like shit on by some boyfriend or something like that. And in the end, she'd always be kind of like coming home to her apartment and she's kind of just mopey and just sad because, you know – some some guy was an asshole to her, or things didn't work out the way way it should have. Yeah. And I just kind of feel like she's kind of got this Ally McBeal emo kind of thing going, mm-hmm. uh, Michael. Yeah, you know, and that's why I want her to move away from because I think she's better than that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, this episode's definitely a step in the right direction. Um, we're getting more to that Star Trekky feel, and that's that's only a good thing. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I just don't know what it is with female characters and Star Trek writers. Like I said, Kira, Dax, early, early Dax, early Kira, early Janeway, early Michael. It's just like, I don't, why, why is it so cringy? But everyone else has like got some really great banter between them, especially Jet Reno and Stamets. I mean, just come on. That's, that's great. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, it's just, and you know, I, I, I shit on the writing a lot. Which I probably shouldn't, but it's but because Michael is such a focus of the show, the writing for her just sticks out bad. But everything else around her is great. Maybe because they feel freer to express those characters, and, and like I said, they, they feel the pressure that they have to represent that character properly. Maybe, maybe it's just I mean, maybe it's just hard to write for her. I don't I don't know what it is, but it's just it just feels like a consistent problem, and that's mm-hmm. why I've been really hard on it. But mm-hmm. but I mean the writing's not all shit. I mean, like I said, around her it's great. I love Saru talking to anybody else. Like the the dinner scene from Hell was kind of great. Like everyone just kind of like on edge. Yeah, that like, was a great episode. That was a great scene. It was a great scene. Like it's just so awkward because like it's just like this, let's try to make them happy and they don't. Know, he doesn't know how to do it. It's just it was awkward, but it was like purposely that way and it was kind of great. Well. um... And the only thing I could shit about this episode was just that the fact that Michael's mom, Gabriella, is, you know, her, her advocate. You know, it's a little, like, Super to me, it's convenient. And, a little convenient, but I can get past it. I mean, it works well for the story. It does. It works well for the story because it gets Michael to, like, it's, it's like extreme parenting because it gets Michael yeah. to, like, s- stand up and... Understand. Oh sure, you're not around for fifteen, twenty years, and now you're going to come in and give me parenting advice. Very public in front parenting. of all these people. 
Yeah, it's it, it was it was Michael will be in year, you'll be in years of therapy after this. <laughs> we need Counselor Troy back. Can we bring her back from the past? I know. I know, right? So it was really convenient and like roll your eyes that her mother was her advocate. But mm-hmm. the good thing about this is that they don't have to spend an episode looking to, for her mother and like <laughs> taking an episode out. It Just, took care of itself. Yeah, like, it, it's like it's like what's the lesser of two evils? And this is probably the lesser of the two evils. You know what I mean? I know. It's funny. Um, it's like, we don't have to it, waste an episode. Cause I mean, the episode in season one, they waste the entire episode to like regrow the spores. It's like, you created a problem just to waste an episode to solve the problem that you didn't need to set up, you know? And so like, you know, we, we've lost Michael's mom. And like, I was kind of shocked. They never, they, they barely mentioned it. It was, like, it was mentioned twice up until this point. Then all of a sudden there she is. It's like, Oh man, that's so convenient. Oh my god, it's so dumb. And it's like, oh wait, this is actually great. We don't have to waste an episode of them going to like specifically look for her, like stranded on a planet. This is great. So we can move the plot forward. So I mean, I'll take this over wasting an episode going to find her. Hmm. Interesting. Um, also, I just found out that Navarre was a name for a Vulcan ship in Enterprise Shadows uh, Shadows of Pajem. And it was uh, uh, Navarre was a term coined in 1967 by Dorothy Jones, who wrote uh, a series of Star Trek uh, stories and fanzines called T Negative. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. Retro Vulcan uh, name for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's, it has some deep meaning. I, I don't know what it, what it was, but they don't really tell you. But oh, it says it literally means two forms in art. Uh, and it was an art form practiced by Vulcan, which subject an example of two different point uh, viewpoints, or in terms of having two different aspects of nature. That's perfect. What a what a great name for the Romulans and Vulcans sharing a planet again. Very cool. Very happy to learn that. And I, like I said, I love Vulcan. I love Vulcans, but um, I always found the name a little weird. So kind of convenient. I, I can. I can I can get I can get behind uh, Navarre for a, sure. A Vulcan sounding name. Yes, yes. Uh, anything else we want to do uh, say before we wrap this up? Uh, I think that's it. All right. Well, guys, uh, if there's something further that you think that we missed or that we are misrepresenting or we're not saying correctly, uh, please uh, throw us an email at synthaholics at yahoo.com. You can also uh, hit us up on our group, Facebook, Facebook group, Facebook forward slash groups forward slash uh, Synthaholics. And you can hit us up on Twitter at uh, Synthaholics Duo is our handle there. And if the show is something you want to support, please go to our Patreon, Patreon forward slash Synthaholics. All right, Dave, next week we're going to get further into the burn, I'm sure. Sounds good. All right. Until then, guys, live long and prosper, one and all. Well, McCoy, my boy, come mix me a drink Before the night's over, I'll puke in the sink And we'll cry till we laugh, and we'll both shit our pants You're the best drinking friend I ever had